Good morning, everybody. Our Lord and Savior is the King. He uh, came riding triumphantly into that city. Uh, and He is the King of all kings, Lord of all lords. And we worship Him this morning. Will you stand with us and let's sing it together to the King. Eternal, immortal, invisible. You are the king. We lift our banner to you, Lord. You're worthy of our praise today. We want to lift you high that you may be honored. To the king, eternal, immortal, invisible. To the king, eternal, to the only wise God. To the king, eternal, immortal, invisible. To the king, eternal, to the only wise God. Eternal, immortal, invisible to the King. Eternal to the only wise God. To the King. Eternal, immortal, invisible to the King. Eternal to the only wise God. We bring honor. We bring glory. To the King, eternal, to the only wise God. To the King, eternal, immortal, invisible. To the King, eternal, to the only wise God. We bring honor. We bring honor. We bring Bring us, 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 bring us
before you this morning to lift our offering to the king will you please be seated well good morning welcome to first baptist church we are so glad that you are here to worship with us and if you're a guest with us it's our honor that you are here and we would love to get to know you and so one of the ways that we can do that is through the guest card that's located in front of you there in the purack if you could take one of those white cards out for us and fill it out. Um, there's a spot if you want to receive our weekly newsletter or if you have a prayer request, we would love to be able to pray for you. After our service, if you would just walk that over to the Welcome Center, it's to your left, and drop that in a black box or give it to someone there. And we have a small gift for you coming and being a part of our service. It's just a way that we can express gratitude for you being here this morning. So Todd, it's kind of hard to, on a fall day like this to think about that the holidays are approaching. They're almost here. And so... That's right. Almost Easter. And so, I know I always like seeing what you're going to come up with. And um, Thanksgiving. No, that was it. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving right? yeah, yeah. is Thanksgiving. on the way. Yeah. But then after that is Christmas. And you know, as we celebrate Christmas, what we're celebrating in many ways is Jesus. Well, in the only way, Jesus coming to Earth, right? And it reminds us that our God is a missionary. He came to Earth on a mission, the mission to save. And then that brings us to a point where we want to pray for international missions. And so we are starting a season of prayer this morning for international missions. And for the first week of this, we want to pray for our unreached people group, the Wall of People of Paris and West Africa. So inside your worship guide, you have one of these prayer guides. And so what this is going to do is that for the rest of this week, it gives you a prayer prompt for each day for how you can pray for the Wall of things you need to know about an unreached people group, this essentially means that it's less than 1% evangelical, meaning that this people group, you're not going to find more than 100 Christians among all of them. There are no local churches or no evangelical churches among the wall of people. Um, we've been working with the wall off for almost five years now, and we've met one Christian. Um, and so this is why we want you to pray for this unreached people. We're praying that God would call more among them, that God would use the Christians who are Wolof to save their own people. And so throughout this week, would you just commit to pray for the Wolof? And then on Saturday, we also ask, would you just commit to keep this in your Bible for the remainder of the year? Pray for them all year. But as we start this season of prayer, we want to pray for our unreached people group, that God would save them. Because we want them among the throne with us when we reach eternity as well. So that's about the wall off. But then my friend Sarah Bryan is going to come up real quick and tell you a little bit about the angel tree. So Sarah, come on up. All right. Hey, guys. So this year we're going to start a little bit early on our angel tree. Um, so we have some angel squad angels coming out. And on the tree we've got these great... Um, little ornaments. Each one of the ornaments has a name of the student, their age, their gender, and their shirt size, pant size, things like that. On the other side is all of their wants that their parents are specifically asking for. You don't have to get all. You can get a few things. 
Um, just a little bit about it. Working in the school system, I see a lot of these kids, and they really need this stuff. I mean, I've got a lot of kids that don't have jackets, don't have appropriate clothes, and so this is a really big deal. And so if you have that, those means necessary and you are able to do this, we strongly, strongly encourage you to do it. Now, on the um, thing that I'm holding up, but I can't think, yeah, thanks so much. Um, it's early. Um, so on the card, um, it says to bring them back by December 1st, but we need, or December 1st to the 7th, we need them here no later than December 5th. So if you do grab one, write yourself a note, please, and have these here by December 5th so that we can get them to the central office for the kiddos. And that's it. And so we will pray. All right. Uh, dear Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to come here and worship you. Lord Jesus, we pray for the wall of people. We pray for their, their just time that they need in you, dear Jesus. And we pray for these kids and the Christmas angel. And Lord Jesus, uh, we pray that you open our hearts, open our ears for this message. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and let's continue to sing together. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good. Good, oh, you are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, let the king of my heart inside my sails the anchor in the waves oh he is my song let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins the echo of my days
King of kings and Lord of lords, and we worship you this morning, giving you the glory that belongs to you. You sing along with us. Sarah's going to lead us. Sing along. In the darkness we were waiting, without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt Praise the Father Praise the Son Reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation. You did not despise the cross, for even in your suffering, you saw to the other side, knowing this was our salvation. Jesus, for your sake, died. Forever to 
stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored, and the Church of Christ was born, and the Spirit in the flame, now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. We do come before you this morning just praising you as King of kings and Lord of lords. It's for you and you alone that we have gathered this morning, Lord. We pray that our worship, our songs, our hearts have been in such a place that it puts a smile on your face, Lord, that uh, you will be glorified and you'll be lifted high because you are the King. You are the King of all kings. And for that reason, we come and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Glad you're here for worship. <clears throat> Next Sunday night, we're going to have our church Thanksgiving dinner. And we're going to do at the beginning of it in our time of Thanksgiving, one-minute testimonies. Going to set a kitchen timer for one minute. When it goes off, you're done. I, wanted, I need seven or eight people who will give one-minute testimonies. We're, we're not going to do it on the spot. You need to come to me in advance. I want to have them lined up, ready to go, so the turkey doesn't get cold, you know. So uh, if God's done anything in your life in this past year, and you feel led to share, I want to ask you to contact me. You can email me, call me, text me, come see me, tell me, whatever. I'm looking for seven to eight volunteers. If God's rescued you, saved you, helped you, healed you, provided for you, protected you, done anything for you in the past year, and you can tell about it in one minute, we want to give God praise at the beginning of our Thanksgiving time. Come share with me if you'll share a one-minute testimony, okay? Last Sunday, I began a seven-week sermon series through November and December, Lord willing. We're going to be looking at prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. About 40 of the main predictions hundreds or thousands of years ago before Jesus came that are so detailed and so accurately fulfilled by his coming. There's a card on the Welcome Center that uh, sort of summarizes all 40 of these. If you'd like to have that, it'll fit in your Bible. You can pick it up after the service. I shared with you last week, I want to catch you up. If you're new with us, we're so glad you're here. If you've come, I want to catch you up for a moment. I shared last week there's three purposes for this sermon series. Number one, it is that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, there's an evangelistic purpose. Uh, uh, I believe that these prophecies, these predictions, are to help you believe 
they are faith builders. And maybe you've been doubting. Maybe you're not sure if you're a believer. Things have happened in your life. I pray that this series will help you to say, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. Second purpose is apologetic. That is to defend the faith. Uh, Can you answer the question, why do you believe the Bible is true? If somebody asks you, why do you believe the Bible is true? What are you going to say? One reason, one response is that the amazing prophecies of the Bible testify to its reliability, its accuracy, its infallibility. And the third purpose is we just want to worship in this holiday season. We want to worship Jesus. You're going to be distracted by everything else, that shopping list and everything. We just want to focus on Jesus and marvel at the plan of God that centers in him. Because if God has all of that planned, he's probably got your world okay too. He can take care of you. You can trust him. And we want to rely upon him. So we saw last week that Jesus, on the first Easter Sunday, took his disciples through the three divisions of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Old Testament, the law, the prophets, and the writings, or the Psalms. So last week we looked at the law. I'll just remind you, we looked at four parts of his family tree that sort of narrow the focus on who the Messiah will be. The Messiah, it says, would be a human, he would be a male, he would be a Jew, he would be of the tribe of Judah. If you're looking for the hope that God has sent, you better look for a human male from the nation of the Jews from the tribe of Judah. That's where God has said, I'm going to send your hope for the world. Focus is narrowing. Today we want to look at, in the prophets and the Psalms, at some more of the prophecies that especially speak of his offices or his titles that this Messiah will have. Now first let me, uh, before we look at those four, let me just share about this word Messiah because we didn't encounter it in the law. It's not in the law. But now we begin to see in our scriptures today this word Messiah. Let me tell you what it means. Messiah means the anointed one. Now to anoint was part of their culture. And uh, you anoint means to rub or smear with oil, especially olive oil in their culture. And so um, they would anoint themselves with some scented oil to smell good, like perfume sort of. Naomi said to Ruth when she was going to meet Boaz, put on your best clothes and anoint yourself. So if you were being fancy like date night at Applebee's, (laughs) Bourbon Street steak, getting an Oreo shake with whipped cream on the top. Can we keep going? Two straws, one check. Well, so you would anoint yourself. Explain that to people around you. So you would anoint yourself if you were being fancy like that. Or if you were having guests at your home, the custom was, you know, we'd say, may I take your coat? They would, they would anoint you with oil. Do you know the 23rd Psalm? 23rd Psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd. It also says, the Lord is my host. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. And he what? Anoints my head with oil. So when somebody came to your home to be a good host, hey, you've been on a long trip. You smell like a camel or a donkey. Let me just anoint you with oil. Rub a little oil on your head, make you smell better for the evening, right? So that common part of their culture became the symbol of how you confer authority or you set someone apart. And so for a new king, he was anointed with oil. Or when there was a priest, Moses was to anoint the high priest. Samuel anointed King Saul and then King David. 
And then a prophet, Elijah, anointed Elisha to succeed him. So prophets and priests and kings were anointed. It was the way of conferring authority, sort of like we put a crown on a king or on Miss America. Oh, Miss Nebraska. And they put that crown on her. That anointing was that conferring of authority. You get it? So it became then that they're looking for the ideal king. Who's our hope? He will be the anointed one, the Messiah. So the word Messiah means the anointed one, that ideal ruler who is coming, who will fulfill our hopes and meet our needs. We are waiting for the anointed one. So the first place that the word Messiah occurs in your Bible as you move through it is in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 10, on the lips of a woman, Hannah, the priesthood of her day was corrupt and God was giving her a son and this son would purify the priesthood and overtake the house of Eli and Samuel would be, the, would be that uh, next prophet and she was filled with the Holy Spirit and it says in Samuel, 1 Samuel 2.10, first time we got this word anointed one in scripture, those who oppose the Lord will be broken, the most high will thunder from heaven, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth, he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his Messiah, his anointed. There wasn't a king yet literally that she's talking about. She's looking with hope to that time when God would give an ideal ruler, when corruption would be gone, and he would give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. So from this became the hope of the anointed one, the Messiah. So we're going to look at four predictions of, uh, not all of them use the word Messiah, but four predictions, and we'll see this word throughout some of them. Number one, the Bible tells us that the Messiah will be a king descended from David. We've already got from Hannah that he'll be a king, but now the specific detail that shows the accuracy of the Bible, he'll be a king descended from David. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11. David, when he solidified his kingdom, wanted to build a temple. He wanted to build a house for God. Uh, but God said to him, no, David, you're not going to build me a house. Your son will do that, but I'm going to make you a house. God is using a play on the word of house. David wanted to build him a building house. God said, no, I'll make of you a house that is a dynasty, like the house of Windsor or whatever. So get it here in 2 Samuel 7, verse, middle of verse 11 I'm reading. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I'll raise up your offspring. Have you heard that word before if you were with us last week? Do you remember that the hope of Genesis 3.15, the first in the Bible, had the word offspring of a woman? Do you remember that in the story of Abraham, it said of your offspring? Here it is again. You see this key word, this clue to the mystery that God is giving us throughout here? Here it is again. It will be a woman's offspring. It will be Abraham's offspring. And now we understand the Messiah will be David's offspring. When your days are over and your rest of your ancestors, I'll rave up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I'll establish his kingdom. And verse 16, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And so the prophecy was there will forever be a king who is a descendant of David. This anointed one, this Messiah, will be a descendant of David. Let me give you another detail, though, before we look at the New Testament fulfillment. 
The Bible also said, predicted that the sons of David, this house, this dynasty, would fail and it would be cut down like a tree, but that God would bring a branch from it. The family tree will be cut down, but a branch will grow from its stump. Okay? You got the idea of his dynasty, his lineage, his house like a tree, and the tree's going to be cut down. There's going to be a break in the line of kings, but then he's going to send a Messiah who's a branch. Let me read it to you in a couple of places. Isaiah 11.1, 1. a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse was David's father. So from the family tree of Jesse, from the stump, it'll be cut down, and from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Also, in Jeremiah 23, 5 through 6, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will rule wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety, and this is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. So we've got a two-part prophecy here in this first one. There's going to be a king descended from David forever, but it's not going to be an unbroken line. It's going to go for a while, be cut down like a tree, and then a branch is going to come up from the stump. You got it? What's the very first thing that the Bible in the New Testament wants to tell us about Jesus? Matthew 1.1. Matthew 1.1 says, This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of David. And then it gives his genealogy. Why does it start that way? Because it's wanting you to know this is what God predicted 700 years ago in the book of Samuel. And now it's fulfilled. But going down to verse 17, when it summarizes his genealogy, I won't read it all, but you can read it from David all the way to Jesus. Matthew 1, 17. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. And so you read that genealogy, and all of those listed from David to the exile are kings. There's the house, the dynasty. But you get to the exile to Babylon when God cut down the tree because of their disobedience, and all those next 14 people, they're not kings. There's a break in the line. The the tree's been cut down. But when Jesus comes in the 14th generation, there's the sprout, the branch that comes from the stump. Isn't that amazing? It happened just the way God said it would 700 years before. Amen. Second office we want to tell you our title of the Messiah. The Messiah will be David's Lord. Now we've seen the Messiah will be David's descendant. He'll come from David in his genealogy. But now another side of this, the Messiah will be David's Lord. Look at Psalm 110. Psalm 110 is the most quoted psalm in all the New Testament. This is one of the most important prophecies quoted more in the New Testament than any other psalm. Psalm 110.1, the Lord, that's God, says to my Lord, David is writing this, the title says. So David says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now who's David talking about? He's talking about the Lord says to my Lord, who is David's Lord? It's the Messiah who is coming. David recognizes that the Lord will have a Messiah who will come. And the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord, verse 2, will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. Here's this king coming who will extend his scepter from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. And so from Zion will come this ruling king. Let me take you to the New Testament fulfillment of this. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus quoted this psalm. 
In Matthew 22, verse 41, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. They, they knew the Samuel prophecy that we looked at, right? They said, well, he's going to be David's son. And Jesus said to them, verse 43, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, and he quotes that we just read, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how can he be his son? And no one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Jesus was making the point. He acknowledged the Messiah is going to descend from David. But he's saying he's going to be more than that. He's going to be over David, David's Lord, who will rule all the enemies greater than David ever did. When Peter preached the first Christian sermon, the first Christian sermon ever preached on the day of Pentecost, he quoted this passage, Psalm 110. It's so foundational. Let me read it to you in Acts chapter 2, verse 33 and following. Peter's preaching and he gets to the death and the resurrection and then the exaltation of Jesus, that Jesus has ascended to heaven and he's at the right hand of God. Exalted to the right hand of God, he's now received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David didn't ascend to heaven and yet he said, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah do you get it Jesus is a human descended from David but he was also pre-existent in heaven he was Lord and he came at Christmas to be born as a baby but he was both after David and before David let me sort of summarize it this way Back to show you some scriptures. Isaiah 11, 1, we've already seen a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, right? He's going to be a descendant. But in that same chapter, we didn't read Isaiah eleven ten 10 said, In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. Well, how could he be both the shoot and the root? How could he be before David and come from David? Because we learned in Jesus that this baby who was born, descended from David, had always been here in heaven. He was the Lord. He was God in heaven. And now he comes to earth. He's both before David and after David. He's both the root and the shoot. And so in Revelation 22, it says, Jesus, the very one of the last things he says in the New Testament, I am the root and the offspring of David. Isn't that something? This one who comes will precede David, but be born as a baby, descended from him. He's David's descendant. He's also David's Lord. Share with you a third of these titles or offices about the Messiah. We're in this same Psalm, Psalm 110. The the Messiah will be a priest forever. He'll be a priest forever. Well, now, wait a minute. How could this be? Because we've already gotten that the Messiah will be descended from the tribe of Judah. Priests don't come from the tribe of Judah. They come from the tribe of Levi. That's what God said in the Old Testament. So kings come from Judah. We got that. He could be a king because he's descended from Judah. But how could he be a priest? Priests come from the tribe of Levi. Let me read to you Psalm 110. Same psalm we're in. Verse 4. Psalm 110. 4 says, still speaking of the one that the Lord said to my Lord, I'm going to make your enemies a footstool for your feet. 
He says, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Oh, so there was one before the Levitical priesthood. Before them was one not by lineage, but by the power of God. In the Genesis was this guy named Melchizedek who was a priest. And this king will be a priest forever like that. And so in the book of Hebrews, it spends four chapters telling us how Jesus is our great high priest. How he fulfills all the Levitical priesthood. He ushers us into the presence of God. And yet he's more than that. Let me read to you just a few verses. You can read the whole four chapters. Hebrews 7, 14. For it's clear our Lord is descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. He's become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life, for it's declared you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He quotes that Psalm 110. Amazingly, this Messiah that we're looking for is all three of these offices who were anointed. We've seen that he'll be a prophet like Moses. He'll be a king descended from the tribe of Judah and from the family of David. And he'll be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And Jesus has amazingly fulfilled all of these. He's everything you need. You don't have to look somewhere else for insight into life, for meaning, for purpose. He's the prophet who speaks the truth. He's the priest who can get you to God. And he's the king who deserves your obedience and allegiance. Jesus is all of that. And God had that planned all this time. There's one more we need to look at. One more thing we need to say about the Messiah. Not only is a king from David, not only is a Lord of David and Lord of us, not only is a priest forever, but the Messiah will be the divine Son of God. Look at Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is what's called a royal psalm. Now, there are two types of prophecies we'll see as we go through this series. But let me introduce this to you here. There are direct prophecies that are, are clear predictions of a Messiah who is coming. And we've seen several of those already. But then there are also prophecies with a dual meaning. that have a meaning for the present context, but that doesn't fill it up. They have a future fulfillment as well. So Psalm 2, I think, is like that. Psalm 2 is a royal psalm written probably for when one of the kings, maybe David or Solomon or one of their descendants, became king. Sort of a coronation psalm. Sort of a song written for their day of crowning or anointing when they became king. So it's speaking of that king, but it, it obviously is more than that. And it speaks of the ideal king, the anointed one. Let me read it to you. Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his Messiah, his anointed one, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. This is really a passage you need to know in our culture today because this is what's happening in our culture today. People are seeking to throw off the chains as they see them, the authority of God and of his Messiah. And as God has created an order where we can flourish in it, 
He's created an order where he's given us the gift of gender, and he's given us a pattern for marriage, and now we are saying in our society, we don't want those chains holding us down. We want to be our own thing and do our own way. It's always been like that. It's not just in our culture. It happened then. It's happening now. That's a pattern of a rebellious world that says, we don't need your authority, God. We'll set our own patterns. We're not going to submit to your rules. And sometimes we as Christians think, oh, no, the world's caving in. What's going to happen? Hey, you need to read Psalm 2. It really helps you. Here's God's response, verse 4. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. You think God is worried about what's going on in our culture? (laughs) He's not worried. He laughs in derision. God says, you've not threatened me in your rebellion. Why? Verse 4. Six, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. God says, I've already established my king. You're not it. You're not in control. You don't make the rules. I've established my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Verse 7, I'll proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You'll break them with a rod of iron. You'll dash them to pieces like pottery. This psalm is quoted throughout Acts. I don't have time to show you. Throughout the book of Revelation, it's fulfilled in the second coming of, of Jesus. It is that Jesus installed as king when he died and rose again on Zion is coming back and the nations will be his inheritance and he will rule them and he'll assert the authority of God over all the earth. He is the divine son of God. And so when Jesus began his ministry and came to be baptized, what happened? A voice came from heaven that quoted this psalm and said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And at the end of his ministry in Matthew 17, 5, when he took his three disciples up on a mountain to pray, again a voice came in the time of transfiguration and said from heaven, This is my son, whom I love. I'm well pleased with him. Listen to him. The Messiah is the Son of God. Do you believe that? Did you know that really to be a Christian is to say, I believe that and I'll live that. One more verse I'll show you. John 1, 41. Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was getting people ready for Jesus and one day he saw Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Andrew went home with him that afternoon, spent the afternoon with him. And the first thing he did the next day was find his brother Peter. And he went to his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. So we've learned the word Messiah. Now let's learn the word Christ. The word Christ is the Greek word that means exactly the same thing, anointed one, as the Hebrew Messiah, as the Hebrew word Messiah. So in the Old Testament, you have the word Messiah the anointed one. The New Testament in Greek, the Greek world they lived in, the Greek word for the anointed one is Christ. 
So Messiah and Christ mean the same thing. To say Jesus Christ, a lot of people think that's Jesus' last name. Britton Cox, Jesus Christ, you know. That's not true. Christ is a title or an office of Jesus. And when you say Jesus Christ, you are saying Jesus is the Messiah. To be a Christian. Are you a Christian? To be a Christian is to say, I believe Jesus is the Messiah. Do you believe Jesus is the Messiah? Do you believe he's the prophet that God sent in the world to speak for him and that he's the one you must listen to? Do you believe he's the king, the king over your life and that you'll submit to him and his word in obedience? Do you believe that he's the Lord, that he's Lord of your life? Do you believe that he is the priest forever? He's the only one who will get you to God, and he lives right now interceding for you in heaven. To be a Christian is to say Jesus is my Messiah. Would you say that today? Maybe you've never made that confession. Would you confess that in your heart and with your mouth today? I want to be a Christian. Because I believe these amazing predictions hundreds of years before help me to believe the Bible is true and Jesus is my Lord, my King, my Priest, my God. Maybe you just need to reaffirm that. Maybe you've called yourself a Christian before today and a lot of life has happened to you and things shake your faith and prayers don't always get answered and you just wonder, man, is, is, is it real? Is it true? And maybe to the day, with the help of these amazing predictions, you would reaffirm in your life, I don't understand everything. God, I don't know what you're doing in my relationships and my job and my money right now. I, I, don't, I don't get it. But here's what I know. I stake my life that Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Christ. You're the promised king descended from David. You're the priest, the only one who can get me to God. You're the Lord of my life, and you are God. And I identify as a Christian. I confess with my mouth and in my heart, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you need to make that affirmation? Do you need to reaffirm that today and just nail down once again who you are, who you belong to, how you're going to live your life? Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we confess, we reconfess. Right now, as I seek to speak for others who have their heads bowed and are praying in their hearts, God, we don't understand all of your ways. We go through disappointment, heartache. Sometimes we just need to reaffirm what we know. We are convinced that you are the Christ, Messiah. And we are Christians. We are your followers. You're Lord of our lives. You're King of the world. You're the priest of God. You're the Son of God. We confess that. We live according to that. We anchor our lives to it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are and what you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song right now. Would you stand?
And it's your opportunity to confess publicly. If you'd like to do that, you can walk forward while we sing. Share it with me. There'll be a decision counselor here to answer any questions that you have. You could confess before this group today, and we'd just, yay, we'd rejoice with you if today you'd confess Jesus, Lord. You could be baptized. We have a baptism in our second service today, but you could be baptized next month at this time. Maybe you want to join our church. You can walk forward and join our church here today. Uh, you have other questions, you can see somebody, a staff member at the Welcome Center after. But right now, if you're ready, we invite you to make this confession. Let's sing together. Let's affirm our faith. the only king forever, Lord. and fall Kingdoms once strong now shaken We trust forever in your name The name of Jesus Here we go We trust the name of Jesus You are the only King forever Almighty God we lift you higher You are the only king forever Almighty God, we lift you higher You are the only king forever Forevermore, you are victorious Oh Lord, you are victorious You are the king Sing it In love, your justice, you will reign, and every knee will bow. We bring our expectations, our hope is anchored in your name, the name of Jesus. Oh, we trust the name of Jesus. You are the only king forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only king forever. Forevermore, you are victorious.
the name of Jesus, from age to age you reign, your kingdom has no end. We lift our banner high, we lift the name of Jesus, from age to age you reign, your kingdom has no end. You are the only king forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only king forever, forevermore. You are victorious. You are the only king forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only king forever, forevermore. You are To worship the King forever, the one that uh, that God had had planned out all along. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't just like, a, oh, this is a good idea. We'll just insert a Messiah here. But that God had planned this uh, from the beginning of time or whenever that was. But, you know, God is amazing in his design and his care for us and provision for us offering a Messiah. So uh, we're glad to worship him. Uh, continue to worship as you give. Uh, the offering boxes are there as you leave. Uh, and also, guests, remember about guest cards, you can take them up to the Welcome Center. Um, we're excited uh, to uh, have uh, our youth retreat this weekend. We'll be continuing to pray. Had over 120 folks, uh, students and youth, uh, students and leaders uh, there at the retreat. So uh, some of our normal faces aren't here this morning. That's where they are. So uh, be praying for them as they wrap up today and travel home uh, this afternoon. A couple of things there. Uh, in the, the bulletin there, you can see we got our Thanksgiving dinner coming up. Um, Operation Christmas Child boxes are due next Sunday, so get those in. And uh, we're excited that just God is doing great things at First Baptist. So um, we're thankful for this time of year and the way that we can serve and proclaim the, the truth of the Messiah and His coming at, at Christmas. So uh, thankful to be here and worship together. I want to remind you about CDP uh, on Wednesday nights. Uh, we have courses. This is our last one for the semester. And then also, uh, if you're not involved in Connection Group, we'd love to have you. We've got plenty of offerings uh, here in the next hour. So stick around and get involved in the Connection Group. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you are the king forever, God, uh, that you have um, just set out this wonderful story and this wonderful mystery of, of, of all these, these clues and this, the reality that you had a plan. And God, I'm thankful that that plan involved us. To bring you glory, you decided to save us. And you extended your love to us through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So thank you for that. Be with us now as we go. Help us to continue to grow in, in you and the, the truth that you love us. We pray these things in your name. Amen.